0: Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. My name is Chris Bowne, the editor at Hotel Analyst, and I'm joined by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director at Hotel Analyst. Most weeks, you'll find us on this podcast picking out three items of interest from the news that we've covered in more detail in our perspective Publication. Uh, this week, you're going to have a little bit of a difference because we're going to be talking about some of our key takeaways from uh, the real estate tomorrow event, which took place last week. Um, Andrew was uh, heavily involved in organising and delivering it. I uh, listened along uh, while things were going on, and we're going to talk about the uh, kind of the key things that we took away from what, what we listened to. And the first of those was that um, here we are coming out of, I think, the uh, coronavirus lockdown. Um, but the, what, what was really impressive was the way that lots of people across all, all parts of the real estate space were talking about how the pandemic has accelerated change. Um, those things that uh, people had previously said would take years to change, have changed in a matter of months. Um, new tech, adoption of new ways of doing things all of that stuff has sort of uh, been been pulled to the fore as people have either had nothing, well, they've had much less of their normal stuff to do, and they've been able to focus on how the hell are they going to get themselves out of uh, the, the, the trough that they are in. So, um, change seems to have been accelerating everywhere, and of course, that's going to upend some of the uh, sacred cows, some of the old ways of doing things. Uh, but I think, Andrew, you probably agree, it's, overall, it's for the better, isn't it?
1: oh yes um, up to a point i think i don't know sure whether you'd ever wish a pandemic is for the better or not but um
0: (laughs) i was thinking the consequences (laughs) rather than the (laughs) cause
1: um yeah i mean certainly i think this this notion of the accelerating of pace of change is absolutely spot on i mean one of the most annoying assumptions um one of the most annoying things you hear said is everything has changed well i don't think it has really but what what has happened is that whereas some things would take years and years to occur they've actually that time has been compressed over a matter of months I mean I, I think if we look outside of our sector and say look at something say like the uh, grocery business and you look at what's happened there in terms of how the how rapidly the whole online offer because I, I, I think grocery has been one of the slowest bits of retail to go online mm. yeah, um, yeah. Um, but, you know people actually want to look at the stuff they're buying food wise and all this kind of stuff but i think that the advent of this is really um and the whole pandemic piece has really accelerated that and we've seen this massive surge um in 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 terms of that i mean i looked at um numbers from kantar who one of the the data gatherers for the sector in 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 grocery and in retail generally um and and what they were talking about that was was this huge surge in 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 terms of the online shopping piece if you if you look at um um, um there's another um company called warehouse REITs which you know does what it says on the tin in terms of it's a REIT for warehouses Um, you know and and not surprising they've been a huge beneficiary of this switch into online retail Um, and they said lockdown e-commerce sales were 33% higher in April Um, but the share of total retail sales has now hit 30% Um, But what they were keen to put across um, is that actually this was a secular trend already happening, that it's just been accelerated. Um, Now, I, I think the trickier thing is when you come back to our sector and start saying well you know what has been accelerated in our sector by this now I think there are bits of tech where definitely and we've been very slow in hospitality in particular um, to sort of do stuff um, like online um, check-in and check-out for example it's been remarkably poor um, I think and in terms of that, that bit of identifying customers as they walk through the door and all of this kind of stuff well more More than ever this is this is you know is absolutely critical now i mean you know when you've got governments requiring you know a lot of governments have always required hotels to register guests but now you've got general sort of restaurants and so forth having to bars having to register guests as well so to to enable the contact tracing I think that maybe we'll see facial recognition Um, I don't know but I certainly think we're going to see a more efficient way of trying to do that through tech and that's going to accelerate those trends in terms of other pieces I think we're going to start talking about the sort of Uh, capital structures and that sort of thing in 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 a few moments but I think some of those trends too um, are going to be accelerated as
0: well. Investors are who are putting money into real estate are really feeling a bit challenged at the moment Um, uh, you know most things have been upended and and they're working out where they're going to lie when things come back what will be the new normal and what will be the impact and um I think you know Mark Clacey Jones from Aberdeen Standard Investment um, said well you know retail's off the menu, there's a question mark over offices Uh, as you've just mentioned Andrew logistics are are a a hot sector, Mm. Um, hotels lots of people previously loved them but you know how soon are they going to come back Um, and so you know the the investor is is challenged to find out where the returns are going to be. Um, The other kind of issue is obviously there's healthcare, Um, the healthcare sector's uh, had a lot of focus on it in the last few months and there'll be some more structural changes there Um, and then I was also interested to hear from uh, Curly Brennan of KSL Capital Partners who of course own the Village Hotel uh, chain. Uh, he likes vertical integration and you know, it would appear lots more people are looking at whether they should be investing not just in the real estate but in the operational business as well to extract mm-hmm. additional value over time and pay closer attention to how the business works.
1: Uh, there's been a lot of talk about is this this notion of dry powder that's waiting in the wings to sort of be deployed and be um, uh, Bruce, put into Bruce the guns is and fired off <clears throat> exactly <laughs> um um you know and, and I think this has generated a sense of complacency in that oh well it's all going to be all right because what's going to happen is all of this new money is going to come in and buy up the the old stuff and we'll just carry on as business as usual um I, I don't think that is going to be the case. Um, I think there's a more fundamental problems, you know, for, uh, ahead. Um, this post-lockdown, pre-vaccine um, phase we're now entering into is is actually going to undermine a lot of businesses more so than the actual lockdown, because the government support's being taken away, and you know, there is there is nothing propping up um, these businesses. So I think we're going to see. Um, again an acceleration of the shakeout there was an interesting note um that popped into my inbox this week from Bernstein um the um city analyst. there they were looking at the potential for conversions um for global major hoteliers and you know there is this expectation that what we're going to see is this flood of conversions now um and they pointed to that they said in 2011 a couple of years after the the you know 2008 crash um and the, the big recession 2009 um, they said Hilton 46% of its unit growth was conversion um, but in 2019 it was just 20% so the expectation is that this is going to flip right back into that sort of half of the unit growth is going to be coming from from conversion I think the picture of that conversion thing is going to be quite mixed according to the territory in and Bernstein just interesting analysis they said there was something like 795,000 hotels this is hotels or hotel rooms so so best part of 800,000 hotels globally Booking Holdings lists 472,000. So really, there's only a, a, a bit. Even the the, the most the biggest um, sort of aggregation site only barely covers half of of the number of hotels out there. Um, and bookings Holdings' big pitch for investors is there's room for f- for more growth for them to add these other ones onto their onto their site. But the problem is, if you if you look at this in terms of what are those those huge numbers of hotels, we're getting right into the the long tail of much smaller properties in terms of number of bedrooms, mm. and this limits um, you know their suitability for conversion. You've got to really <clears throat> realistically have you know, 75 to 100 rooms before they're they make a viable proposition for most of the the brands um, and there are very few hotels out there with that with with that number of rooms uh, Bernstein reckons that there in terms of independence there are just 224 independent hotels with more than 100 rooms just 224 so there's there's a limit to how much you know growth we're going to see from conversion if, if that's you know the entire universe of you know what they can go at. Um, interestingly, if you go elsewhere like Germany, it's a thousand um, independents with more than a hundred rooms. And in Italy, um, which we know is a very unbranded market, there's two thousand hotels. Wow. So I suspect the, the the global majors, if they're going to really get going with this conversion thing, it's going to be in Germany and particularly. Italy where we're going to see a bit of a, a bit of action less so in um the UK and I think this flips back to you know what what's happened in the UK actually a lot of these smaller long-tail hotels are simply going to go out of business um and the, you know there's a lot um in in terms of how many will go out of business well that's you know that's that that's very tough but Bernstein took a stab at it and they reckon seven percent of global hotels will close well
0: I'm certainly seeing um, through the kind of my Google News trawls on a daily basis for our daily news. That uh, you know, here and there, little local hotels are are throwing in the towel on almost a pretty much a daily basis around the UK. Um, and one of the interesting things also to add in is that um, a conversation recently with the guys at Christie, where they said a lot of uh, these closed hotels during the lockdown have been looking at obtaining planning permission for alternative use. So yeah. there may be some uh, of these smaller uh, uh, properties will head to care home use or residential conversions.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that is what we're going to have that shake out. And again, it's the acceleration of that shake out. I mean, you know, on that Bernstein estimate, it's only 1.4% of branded hotels are going to disappear over the next four years compared to the 7% um, uh, of of all hotels. So clearly heavily skewed towards um, um, the independent and unbranded hotels, which are going to be shutting. And it will be the the, the smaller properties, the undercapitalised properties, which will be shutting. Down.
0: Yeah. Now, the other th- the aspect that uh, I took away from listening to Real Estate Tomorrow sessions was how uh, there was much discussion about what to do with leases and whether the time is ripe now for uh, other forms of tenure to come to the fore. Um, Frank Croston of Hamilton Hotel Partners was uh, very clear that he he feels it's time for uh, a bit of change on this front. Um, And of course we did hear from uh, Anders Nissen, the CEO of Pandox, always quite forthright in his views but he frankly does not like fixed leases he has pretty much all of his portfolio structured with flexible leases where he's got a kind of base rent and then a variable rent which he says ties him in with the uh, the people managing the property so they're aligned in uh, improving its performance Um, but you know there are some people who don't like the turnover rent thing Um, and of course you know we've all been watching what's been going on with Travelodge where Fixed leases uh, have kind of caused a certain degree of friction, um, where you've got uh, you know REITs have bought bought the leases, bought the buildings with their uh, for their their long term fixed income returns for their investors, uh, which of course looked like uh, they were rock solid until travelers turned around and said we're not paying our rent. So uh, Andrew, do you think are we actually going to see the demise of the lease further now? Uh, Is this another accelerating trend?
1: Yes, absolutely. So it's sort of the acceleration of of change was the first point we made and I think the second point is this moving of fixed to variable absolutely um, because of the the nature of of this crisis and how just how bad it is for our for the operational real estate um, opcos in particular and and therefore propcos um, um, as a direct result of that and I think this landlord tenant relationship is 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 a huge amount of of stress in there and um, is how that pain is going to be shared. And I think realistically you can't you can't have the tenants bearing all of the pain. They're just not going to be there. and From a landlord perspective, if if you take, you know, if you take a hard line and say look, you're going to just have to pay your rent, ultimately you're just going to lose your tenant. Um uh, you know, better ways to reach a compromise in which um you perhaps switch it into variable. So as you come out of this crisis and things return to normal, you start getting your rent um, yeah, you start sharing in the upside of that that business that occupying business as it as it recovers to full health so i think that's going to be the way forward. It. it's interesting with this this travel lodge piece is, is is just how um what we've seen is the arrangement is that after two years travel lodge are just going back to fixed mm-hmm. rents and paying them as normal now i think there's a mistake from landlords if they haven't extracted a concession to to get a rebate um in in terms of you know a share in travel lodge success going forward as it fully recovers i mean in some cases they've sort of negotiated a not sort of they have negotiated a There's um a profit a, top a up, rebate
0: yeah,
1: yeah. yeah exactly and i think that's sensible but i think they should have gone a bit bit, bit further um on that and actually gone in for a full full variable it's more challenging for some of them um in terms of the nature of, of, of their businesses but i mean i think I think one of the things which has not been particularly helpful is if you look at uh, say this national timeout campaign we've had in the uk which is calling for a nine-month rent holiday i just don't think that's very realistic and is this portrayal as tenants as entirely victims and um, landlords as uh, you know as the than the nasty people um that, 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 that's just not helpful in terms of getting somewhere and, and uh, having a sensible solution to this and the uk government has you know compounded the situation by saying that you can't kick anybody out until the end of september well you know they're still going to get kicked out um, <laughs> it's, they've just delayed it down and you know right and, and unfortunately this has given tenants you know uh, the more foolish tenants they've they've not actually used this as an opportunity to renegotiate the position and sort of come up with a sensible um, um, solution Um, and and this ultimately what's going to happen there is you're just going to see these people being thrown out and these these properties will be repurposed in some cases or just find new tenants and what's interesting say with travel lodge again one of the things the landlords did put in there is the ability to kick travel lodge out um, if they found a more um, uh, a more appropriate tenant and i think in some cases it's gonna be interesting to watch actually because i suspect there will be some of the better um, travel lodges which could well switch to uh, an, another operator offering the landlord um, more rent and uh, perhaps travel is going to have to do you know behind the scenes deals mm. with those with those properties and pay mm. pay, a, pay a bit more rent but i mean uh, i i think all all of this you know what what, what the whole all of the other pe- the sort of themes i um took out of of this um event um, related to this rebuilding of um, for the future so in terms of hybrid concepts I think we're going to see more of those and hopefully planners and other regulators going to be more flexible in their approaches and we're seeing signs of that you know with the ability of um, um, say bars to have outside drinking and restaurants outside dining spaces and you know so that's being written in now in the UK um you know and let's see a bit more of this a bit more flexibility in terms of that to help these businesses come through this um the, the notion of there's um, I, th- I think it was um, Robert Ryan, who's now at uh, Tech Space, but he, he used to be at uh, Travel Lodge. And what he said was, you know, you've got to put more hopper, um, everybody's got to put more into the hopper to get through the crisis. And he's absolutely right. It's a notion of shared pain here. Um, and, th- th- and business models are going to have to be reassessed. Some are simply certainly in the medium term just not going to be viable and I think better stronger more adaptable businesses will come through replacing those I think the final thing I took away from this was you know we we ended the day with the the tech um, people um, and they showed you know you've got to have that story you've got to be able to say this is where we're going this is what we're trying to do and I think you know in terms of the most successful entrepreneurs the the new players that are going to emerge though they, they are going to have a great story to tell as we come out of this crisis and um, they need to be honing those tales
0: right now mm. now finally just before we go a few words about uh, meetings events do you remember them well if, if you're <laughs> if you're a hotel in new zealand you are now holding them again uh, no limits on the number of delegates you may have no limits on the, how they may sit close to one another and all that sort of thing Um, because New Zealand has pretty much got rid of uh, coronavirus apart from the old visiting Brits they let wander about the place Um, and so uh, you know it's a coming thing it will be returning to to other shores soon Um, and uh, let's let's hope for the sake of everyone in the uh, hospitality sector that uh, that's sooner rather than later and it all works out fine
1: Mm, I don't think it's going to work out fine I'm sorry to be the voice (laughs) of doom and gloom yet again but um, there's 700,000 jobs in the UK related to the meetings market reckons the meetings industry association the business visits and events partnership another trade body reckons the UK events industry is worth 70 billion um both in terms of jobs and both in terms of the actual value it, it's going to be hugely diminished over the next few years uh just how you're having to host even with this reduced one meter space or one meter plus we should talk about i i just don't see it coming back in 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 a, in a big way and, and the, the, where the real money is made is in the mega events and it's very difficult to see how these mega events of thousands of people showing up i mean in our sector and um, we, we look at Expo Real we look at Mipim mean, it's very difficult to see how that's gonna be held in that kind of size and scale again for the next few years so I think I think it's you know I, I'm a vaccine realist I, I i think it's you know certainly the scientists i'd bump into around cambridge um they i hope you're not that, actually um, bumping is, into them <laughs> oh yes <laughs> meeting them and shouting across the road at a suitable hmm. distance um but but they're saying look you know it, it's just as likely we won't get a vaccine at all um people talking about when when this is going to occur who knows you know i hope we do get it because i think it's going to really help but uh, I, I i suspect it's going to take you know a long long while uh, it, uh, what we will see is again an evolution in business model and certainly you know at hotel analyst here you know two-thirds of our turnover used to be in events well that's obviously all walked out the door and we we've we're having to evolve our business model to to make sense of this and we'll be coming back in the new year with sort of hybrid concepts online and physical so we won't just you know um, candidly you, nobody seems to be able to make any money online now maybe that will change I don't know I, I, I don't think so I think we're going to have to you know have in-person events before any, any money's made again but um, the in-person events are going to be very subdued and very sp- you know comparatively a lot smaller than they were which is going to really hold back the capacity to make much cash and i i suspect that's what we're going to have to put up with for you know several years i mean it will come back there's such a human need for this um for the for the events people people need events to to get to get business leads and you know which is a crucial facilitator of of deal flow in our specific sector um so we're, we're going to see them um but they won't be anything like what we have had um i suspect for some
0: time so we're convinced we'll all see you soon but meantime we'll say bye for now